Are you ready for episode number 74 of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast? If I told you there was a super duper technique to help you deal with high conflict people, would you believe me? Would you be interested? Yes. Welcome to the Divorce Resource Guy podcast with Jason Lavoie, aka the Divorce Resource Guy, a former divorce attorney turned divorce coach, talking about all things divorce, including the good, bad, and the ugly from an attorney's point of view. Remember, you're not alone. And now your host, Jason Lavoy. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. I'm your host, Jason Lavoy, and today I have a super, super, and I'll add a third super duper guest for you, Bill Eddy. He's not only a, a licensed clinical social worker, he's also an attorney. What a great combination. And if you poked around the world of high conflict people or dispute resolution, you will have come across this person. Let me just tell you a little bit about Bill Eddy. He is the High Conflict Institute's co-founder and chief innovation officer. He pioneered the high conflict personality theory, HCP, and has become an expert on managing disputes involving people with high conflict personalities. Know anybody like that? He was the senior family mediator at the National Conflict Resolution Center for over 15 years. He is a certified family law specialist, an attorney, representing clients in family court for over 15 years. And like I said, he is a licensed clinical social worker, Therapist with 12 years experience. Now, he serves on the faculty of the Strauss Institute for Dispute Resolution at the Pepperdine University School of Law in California. I almost went there. Did you know that? And is a conjoint associate professor with the University of Newcastle Law School in Australia. He's been a keynote speaker. I can go on and on, but I want to get to my conversation with him so you all can benefit and if you're, not familiar, if you're not familiar with this technique, ear, then listen up because this is how you should try to deal with a high-conflict person. Let's get to it. Bill, I am so excited to have you on the show. Uh, thank you for being my guest. Thank you, Jason. I'm glad to be on. Now, for people who uh, are not too familiar with you, um, just give us a, a very brief background about kind of who you are and what you do and 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 why, how you got to this point in your life. Okay, great. So I, I really started out as a therapist. Uh, I was trained in the 1980s to be a licensed clinical social worker doing child and family counseling, some of whom families were going through divorces. Uh, but I got real interested in mediation of disputes. And I was thinking, I wanna do like divorce mediation and help people resolve things out of court. But I realized if I became a lawyer, then I could get paid for doing mediation. And so I went to law school, became a lawyer in 1992, and figured I better practice in family court for a couple of years so I can tell my mediation clients what's going on there. Right. Well, I ended up in, in family court for 15 years while concurrently doing divorce mediations. And I realized that many of the people in the high conflict cases were dealing with someone with mental health issues, sometimes a personality disorder. And so I tried to start explaining that and I ended up writing a book. And then in 2008, I met up with Megan Hunter, who was working with the Arizona court system. I'm in California. And we founded High Conflict Institute really to train professionals 
about managing high conflict personalities who often have mental health issues. So that's now uh, over a dozen years ago and we've got more work than we can handle almost. So it seems like this is something that people really need to know about. No, absolutely. Uh, high conflict people and, and high conflict situations, uh, I feel like have been on the rise. And I guess there's a there, there's probably a lot of explanation as to why that is. But um, either way, I think the 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 end game of that is it's unfortunate, but we have to deal with it. So thank God people like you um, are helping people do that. And I have to say, as a fellow attorney who worked in family law, you beat me out 15 years. <laughs> I didn't make it 15 years. <laughs> I was worried about what would happen to me if I stayed that long. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think the best way to start this conversation off is since we're talking about high conflict people and personalities, um, let's define that. How would you define a high conflict, um, either a person, personality, or, or situation, whatever you want to take that? Yeah, so it's an excellent question. And basically, four key aspects. First is a preactive, and this I really talk about the, the personality or a person who has a high conflict personality. So I talk about HCPs, that's somebody with a high conflict personality. So HCPs tend to have a preoccupation with blaming others, a lot of all or nothing thinking and solutions, uh, often unmanaged emotions that you can see or are driving them from within, and extreme behaviors. They'll do things 90% of people would never do, like public humiliation of their partner or co-parent, uh, lying in court, uh, domestic violence, um, false allegations, all of this. Um, now, this isn't a diagnosis. In the diagnostic manual are personality disorders, but about half the people with personality disorders have high conflict personalities with this pattern, this four-part pattern. But the big thing is blaming others and if they have a personality disorder, that means they're very unlikely to change. And that's something I try to teach professionals because they think they can give somebody a lecture and they'll go home and become a different person and it doesn't work <laughs> that way. If it was only that easy. <laughs> right, right. But that's often what people are dealing with. Right. And I always say, um, you know, I focus on the the behavior that you're dealing with, the conduct, um, not so much the label of what you call them, but a lot of people who are listening to this, you know, throw around the term narcissist. And I, I it sounds like, you know, the classic definition of a narcissist and narcissistic behavior encompasses a lot of what you just said. So, um, but it's not so much what you call them, it's the conduct that you're dealing with. Yes, and I want to mention, um, don't tell somebody you think they have a high conflict personality or right. you think they have a personality disorder. That will make things always worse for you going forward from that point. So don't do that. On the other hand, if you recognize this pattern, then you need to adapt your own behavior. And that's um, actually, let me mention uh, four things you need to not try to give the person insight into themselves. That's not gonna work. Um, don't emphasize the past. 
because you'll just get stuck in the quicksand of who did what to whom when, and you want to focus on what to do now going forward. Uh, don't try to have emotional confrontations because their emotions are often unmanaged. They can't calm themselves down and it just gets worse. The fourth thing is don't tell them they have a high conflict personality or personality disorder. So this is things you should change because you're not going to change the other person, but it's how you deal with the other person. And I'm so glad you said that um, because not to piggyback off, off you, but I will for a second because I say the same thing all the time. I say you can't control them. You can only control you. Um, and, and it's, I think, important to constantly remind people is that you have to focus on your behavior and what you can do to change the dynamic because they're not going to change. Um, most of the time, you know, you've tried to change them in the past. Didn't work out so well because people who don't want to change won't. Right. Um, and that's what I've learned is that people can change, but they have to sincerely want to change. Um, and there's a whole host of other factors we'll talk about another day that involves that. <laughs> but you just came out with uh, a new book, right? Yes. Calming Upset People with EAR, E-A-R. Um, what does EAR stand for? EAR stands for Empathy, Attention, and Respect. And what the book is really about is a technique called EAR Statements. And so, as the subtitle says, how statements showing empathy, attention, and respect can quickly diffuse a conflict. And we found that to be true. If you give someone a statement that shows empathy, like, I can see how frustrating this is for you, or I can understand you're concerned about how your case is going, that shows empathy. Things, things that start with, I can understand, I can hear, I can see about what their experience is. Um, attention, I'll pay attention. Tell me more, I want to understand or respect. I really respect um, uh, your commitment to our, our children, or I respect, you know, congratulations on that new position you got at work, that promotion that you got, or I respect um, something else, your coaching of the soccer game, you know, you did a great job. So if you can find something you empathize with or just say, I'll pay attention, tell me more, or tell them something you respect, it tends to calm the person and make it easier then to focus on problem solving. And this is even if somebody's angry with you and they go, you did this, you did that. You can say, I can see you're worried about how the project's going, or I, I understand you're frustrated by our schedule. It's a complicated schedule. Rather than getting angry back, you take the negative emotion and switch it over to a positive and send that out. And the way emotions work, emotions are contagious. So don't catch their negative emotion, put out a positive emotion and hope that they catch that. Well, that's it. And, and you're really hoping they do. Now, how did you come up with, with the EAR acronym? You know, how did you identify these things that that you're putting together to to use as a strategy? Well, it was actually somewhat spontaneous one day. I was doing a divorce mediation. I think this was 2004. And 
and I typically have three or four two-hour sessions. So they came into the second session, they sat down, and the husband spread out some spreadsheets, and he leans over and he points his finger at my nose about six inches away, and he says, today, Mr. Eddie, you're going to tell her that I'm going to prevail on this issue. So step up to the plate and do your job. Now, he was a manager, and I'm guessing this was his management style, which was not very good. <laughs> anyway, so I felt like, you know, my amygdala and my brain said, strangle this man. But I didn't, because I'm a trained mediator. And then I flashed back to when I worked at a psychiatric hospital with people with schizophrenia. And I was trained that don't get into logical arguments with people with schizophrenia, empathize with their pain. And so I thought with this guy, this guy's in pain that's pointing his finger at me. And so I said, I can see how important this decision is to you. And don't worry, we'll take as much time as we need. I'll pay attention to your point of view and try to help you to reach agreements. And I respect your preparation. Afterwards, I realized that was empathy, attention, and respect. And since I'd been a counselor for 12 years before being a lawyer and mediator, I knew that these are things that really help people. And so I figured, and then someone at a seminar said, I like your ear technique. And I realized this is a technique. And so ever since, so about 15 years, we've been teaching professionals ear statements that can just take 30 seconds. It doesn't take long. But now with so much conflict in the world, we felt we really need to teach the general public this technique. And people in high conflict divorces are often saying, what can I do to calm this other person down or, you know, calm the conflict? And so this is something you can do. And, and I love the fact that you, you felt the necessity to, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll use the word empower, empower the, the people going through the high conflict situations, whether it's a divorce or something else, you know, with the knowledge, because that's what I try to do as a, a divorce coach is I look at my roles, empowering them with the knowledge, because knowledge, not to be cliche, is truly power when, you know, it comes to uh, divorce. And the more you know, the more you'll be able to hopefully effectively manage the, the process. So I love that. Um, you know, you, you're not just saving it for the professionals. You're, you're, you're giving the techniques to everybody and hopefully everybody will use them together. Yeah. If both parents use ear statements, they can either one or both can calm a conversation. And that's really the key is if, if you realize, oops, I'm starting to get defensive. I'm going to give an ear statement instead you can just totally calm the conversation. Even if the other person's upset they, and they know about your statements, they go, oops, that's right. Gotta, gotta switch over to respecting or empathy or attention. Um, I can give examples. We have a lot of examples in the book of many different types of situations, including divorce, but also uh, examples that even college and high school students may be able to relate to. Because I want college and high school students to learn this too, because they're some of the ones that are most on social media and such. Right. I think just escalate out of control and they don't know how can I respond. And this is one way you can respond.
I think that's great too. And for, you know, there are a lot of parents listening to this and they can pass this information and, and suggest your book as a, not that college students need more reading, but they could <laughs> pass it along and, you know, at least, you know, try to get them involved too and, and, and be aware. But, and I want to get into these statements uh, and go over some examples with you about this because I, I love examples and I think people learn uh, the best that way. But I'm assuming because we're here talking about it, that that situation that you were talking about with the man who was pointing in your face, that when you gave him that ear statement, it must have worked. Yes. Oh, I forgot to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he totally backed off. And what's interesting is then I figure, well, doing mediation, I need to probably get one to the wife as well. And I looked over at her and she was like, she had this, oh, good look on her face. Like she was relieved that I calmed him down without necessarily agreeing with him. Right. And so I didn't take his side. I just calmed him down. And I think she wishes that she had found a way to do that. But the burden isn't really on her. He's the one that's responsible for his behavior. And that may be part of why they were going separate ways. Yeah, sure. And, and you know, I always find it when you're dealing with two people who are in a high conflict situation, more often than not, while may, one person may be more of a instigator or more of a... Um, agitator for lack of a better word you know it takes two it always takes two um in any relationship and so I, both people have to be and you're asking a lot of people who aren't used to these techniques or 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 yet they have to be consciously aware aware of their own behavior right um right right being self-aware really helps um especially if you're in a high conflict situation because you can change your part and, and it's good to go, what's my part here? Okay. And, and a quick, just a quick thing on, if people wonder if they're a high conflict person, there's two questions to ask themselves. Yeah. One is, can I see my part in this problem, however small it may be? And the other is, is there something I can do different in the future in similar situations? And if you can ask yourselves those questions, then you don't have a high conflict personality. High conflict people don't stop and look at themselves. They're totally about it's all your fault. Right. It's 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 you, not me. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 the trick and the hard part, I guess, is is getting them to be somewhat self-aware, um, which is interesting because a lot of times I find people with those type of personalities, um, you know, if you were to use an ear statement, for example it wouldn't be very effective because they don't, you know, they kind of have a, a, a wall up against any suggestion that they're doing anything wrong. Well, actually your ear statement doesn't, doesn't um, suggest that there's anything wrong with them. And so an ear statement is designed to work well with high conflict people because it's non-threatening. You're just connecting with them, respecting them, paying attention, empathizing with them. And so I think, 90% of the time that this does work with high conflict people. No, no, I didn't mean to insinuate it doesn't. I mean, oh. it just, it's just that that's the, that's the interesting thing is that, you know, people, um, a person who is high, a high conflict personality, you would think it, they have this wall up and nothing to get through, but yet this technique works. And because it's a almost, I think an indirect way to disarm them a little bit. 
Yes. And, and in fact, it works because it isn't a criticism because they right. have a ball, like you said. It isn't about trying to give them insight or talk about the past, et cetera. It's just simply a connection. And when you connect with them, you really tend to calm the conflict. When you come at them, you know, like a battering ram, you've got to see what you did and you know what your problem is. All of that stuff hits the brick wall you're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about some examples um, because I love examples and I know your book's full of them. Um, where, where do you want to start? I'm up for anything. I you start with somebody going through a divorce. Yeah. So I've got examples of, um, how lawyers should talk to their clients, um, uh, in going through divorce. I have examples of parents talking to each other about, let's say an activity like, uh, like soccer. Um, let's do that one first. Yeah, so let me read a conversation that gets started between Andrea and Tyler, and they've been divorced for, uh, I don't know, two years. Okay, and so they, so they, Andrea calls up Tyler and says, uh, we have to get Joey registered, Joey's 12, and paid up before the end of the week when registration closes for soccer. I just found out, otherwise he'll miss out. I need your agreement right away and I'll need your half payment right away too. It's a total of $350, so yours is $175. Tyler says, wait a minute, Andrea. Who says Joey's playing soccer in your neighborhood? I'm his father and I'm thinking of being a coach on the team in my neighborhood this year. Give me a day to find out when their registration deadline is. Andrea says, look, Tyler, he's always played soccer in my neighborhood. He's known the other kids since before we separated. He spends the majority of his time here. Dad, yes, but I'm his dad. He's at an age when he needs more time with his father. And this is one way. Since games are usually on the weekend, we can each attend during the other parent's time. Andrea, I absolutely don't agree. If I have to, I'll go to court to get a court order for him to play in my neighborhood, as like he always did. Tyler, don't you dare threaten me with court, Andrea. I'll ask for more custody time and I'll win because of that no good mic you're shacking up with. And I'll get my support lowered too. So this is the, the bad way. Classic. That's a, a classic high conflict example. Yeah. And, and already we're talking about going to court. Right. So let's give them another chance. Andrea says, we have to get Joey registered and paid up before the end of the week when registration closes. I don't mean to surprise you, but I just found out they moved up the registration deadline from last year. Otherwise, he'll miss out. I need your agreement right away and I'll need your half payment right away too. So total of 350, so yours is 175. Games are on the weekend, practices on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so it shouldn't affect your time with him too much. I respect your relationship with him and wouldn't want this to interfere. So you got a little bit of an ear statement there. I respect your relationship. Right. Now, Tyler says, wait a minute, Andrea. Who says Joey's playing soccer in your neighborhood? I'm his father, and I'm thinking of being a coach on the team in my neighborhood. Give me a day to find out when when our registration deadline is. So here's Andrea. Well, that catches me by surprise. I mean, I can see how that could be important to you for father-son bonding. 
but are you sure you want to take that on? You were saying how you've been swamped at work. Tell me more about what your picture is of how this was would work. Weren't you working late on Tuesdays and Thursdays? So she's already got some respect in there, some empathy. I can see how that would be important to you. Right. And um, attention, tell me more what your picture is. So now here's Tyler's response. I have more control over my time now, so I can get off in time to be at his practices. Like I said, I need to look into it. But thanks for asking how I might make it work. Just give me a day. I understand the time pressure you're under. So now he switched to an ear statement. He's, he's um, uh, looking into how he could make it work. He understands the time pressure, so that's some empathy. And um, let's see. And thanks for asking how I might make it work. Andrea says, okay, you can text me as soon as you know whether I should go ahead or if you want to discuss it further. I'm not saying I agree, but I'm open to discussing it. So both of them ended up shifting the conversation with an ear statement. Total different ending from the first example. And you'll notice either one can switch. So she switched right away. She said, I respect your relationship. Tyler gave the same response. He didn't really absorb that. And then she added some more. I can see how this is important to you. Uh, tell me more about your picture. And then he shifts. I've heard, I have more control of my time. Give me a day, I understand the pressure you're under. So I think it's a good example of how either person can shift. And a lot of the examples in here, we show that. We show the bad, escalating confrontation, and then we show one way with the one person shifting, another way with the other person shifting. Now, what if in a situation like this, and we could just play off this example if you want, you know, Andrea shifts and she introduces an ear statement, but then Tyler does not respond in kind and, and continues to be aggressive and defiant. Yeah. What, what's the technique then for Andrea? To do a little more. Okay. So, and that's what she did. And then he shifted. So sometimes people are kind of on a, a rampage and it takes a couple of air statements to go, oh, whoa. And in this type of situation, you get the feeling they, they both are aware, oops, I need to shift into an ear statement and gave each other empathy, attention, or respect. Um, so it helps if both people are aware of this method. Uh, right. But even if not, one person often still can calm the conversation. And that's really, I think, the objective here is you're trying to disarm and, and, and take it down a notch, as I say. Uh, take it from a 10 to a 5. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and it works. Like I said, I... Sometimes people say, Bill, that will never work. And I say, that's what I used to do. But then I saw it working. And that's why I say now, about 90% of the time, it works. But about 10%, people just are unaffected by it. And you have well, to. Well, sure. You always have. Next. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not foolproof for everybody. But I, I can definitely attest to, to it works because I, I know just from being an attorney, a divorce attorney, um, and, you know, you deal with high conflict divorces and other uh, high conflict colleagues that 
if you kind of use this technique and I, I, I think I've used this technique, not knowing it was a technique, but just, yeah. you know, and kind of like how you came across it. And I realize now that when you're dealing with anybody who's a high conflict person, uh, and in my case, it was another high conflict attorney. If you kind of do this ear technique to them, right, you can bring them down um, if they're on a, a rampage, so to speak. So it does work. I absolutely uh, know that. And, and that's why it's a great technique. We have time for one more example. Um, so let's go through another one. And because I, I think that's uh, a, a good oh. way to... I wonder which I could do a, a a divorce professional and their client, or I could do a father and a teenage daughter. Um, oh, that's hard. <laughs> but just just because this is a divorce coaching podcast, um, and it amazes me, but it's true. A lot of people um, have and stress about their relationship with their own attorney. Um, let's do that one—the one with the attorney and the client. Okay. So let's try this. Um, client says, you don't understand how unfair and unreasonable my ex's proposal is for parenting time. He's not ever getting my children half the time. Just look at the driving distance between us. And the professional, such as lawyer, might say, you realize that the law expects you to share your children with significant time for each of them Plus, your judge likes 50-50 schedules, so we'll need to talk about how to deal with this reality. Well, that's not an ear statement, and probably the client will be more upset. So instead, let's look at this approach. Uh, let's say the client says something like that, and then the, the professional says, it sounds like you're worried about how your case is going. I can understand that. Uh, we've had some setbacks, although that's not unusual, and the big decisions still lie ahead of us. Um, but tell me more about your situation, your concern. And so by asking for more, showing some empathy, then it really helps the client then be calmer and can focus on what to do rather than just being upset and the lawyer not, not recognizing that. So I teach lawyers don't start out with what the law says. Connect with your client and and understand what they're saying to you. It's and so important. Is, yeah, with doctors, with other professionals. Is sometimes they're so busy solving the problem that they don't connect with their client. Right. And just like doctors, we talk about, we talk about bedside manner, right? Yeah. Same, same thing for lawyers and any professional relationship, really. You know, uh, it's, it's bedside manner and you have to... Right. I, I also use, you know, call that emotional intelligence, right? As, as opposed to. It, it really is emotional intelligence, but it's targeting people that may not, it may not be as easy because a lot of emotional intelligence training is with managers and executives. Right. And the average person going through divorce hasn't had any training like that. And this is like an easy technique so anybody can do it. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, and I think it's great that, again, you're putting out, putting this out there for, for the, uh, I guess, lack, for lack of a better word, the public, <laughs> anyway, yeah. not just, not just the professionals, because I think everybody going through a process like a divorce um, should have these techniques at, at the ready and, and be aware of them and, and utilize them together. Because um, it'll be that much more effective. Right. Yeah. Um, yep. now, now, so the name of the book is 
Calming upset people with ear. How statements showing empathy, attention, and respect can quickly diffuse a conflict. Where can people get this book, Bill? They can get it anywhere. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, independent bookstores. Also our website, which is highconflictinstitute.com. That's www.highconflictinstitute.com. We have a lot of books there. We have a lot of free articles. We have videos, video trainings. We have consultation, etc. So a lot of resources on yeah. our website. Yeah, I highly recommend everybody listening check that website out because it is a great resource. Um, and there's a lot of information there you should definitely um, peruse at your leisure <laughs> in between your high conflict situations. Well, right. <laughs> Bill, thank you so much for being on the show um, and, and telling us about the book. Uh, I think it's great and I, and I hope people really take advantage of it. Thank you so much, Jason. I was really glad to be on and talk about it with you. There you have it, everybody. Ear. Did you like it? How do you, you know, please tell me. You are, can't wait to try this technique. Now, I kid a little bit. It's not 100% all the time, but it works. That's why he wrote a book about it. So let me know if you try out the ear technique in your next conflict. Let me know how it worked out for you. If you are looking for personal help with your divorce and are looking for a coach to add to your divorce team, then check out Jason at jasonlavoy.com. That's how you can reach me. Check out my website, jasonlavoy.com. I offer group coaching and one-on-one -on -one coaching programs uh, to custom fit whatever it is that you are dealing with. So that's it for now. Stay tuned for the next episode coming soon to a podcast near you. In the meantime, all I'm going to ask you to do is be strong, act confident, stay positive. I'm Jason Lavoie, aka The Divorce Resource Guy, and I'll be seeing you real soon.